Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, welcome back to the Living Parables podcast. I appreciate you guys joining me today. Last week, we had my brother in Christ, Mike Brown, into the studio, and we did an episode called A House Divided. If you have not listened to that yet, please go back and listen to that. I highly encourage you. It was a really great time. I know the the time was a little bit longer than our normal podcast, but you don't have to listen to it in all in one setting. But it was such a blast having him in, and I appreciate having him in, and we will have to do that again, God willing, soon. But if you did listen to that, I pray that I did bless you tremendously because division right now is a huge, huge topic, not only in the church, not only in our family, but our country as well. So it's there's division everywhere. Okay, let's let's get focused here. Today we're going to be talking about baptism. Baptism is a hot topic right now, and depending on where you go to church, the denomination, baptism can vary. It can vary from sprinkling to fully submerging somebody to absolutely nothing at all. Today, we're going away from what man says and going to God's word to see what God says. And that is a truth that I want you to get very early on. Man says a lot of things. Man's tendency is to deviate from what God says. And it should be our obligation to not listen to man, but to focus in on what God really says about things. And baptism is one of those very important topics of discussion that sometimes gets thrown by the wayside. Sometimes even in my own ministry, I haven't talked about baptism too much. That's why just a few episodes ago, I mentioned that we need to do an episode on baptism, and here we are. So the first thing we need to do, number one, is to define what baptism is not. Okay, so baptism is not, sub-point number one, based off of emotion. Sub-point number two, based off any motive outside of pure devotion to follow Christ all the days of our lives. That was a little bit of a mouthful there, so I'm going to say it one more time. Baptism is not based off of any motive outside of pure devotion to follow Christ all the days of our lives. Subpoint number three. Performed by sprinkling water on someone. Subpoint number four. Performed on infants. I'm going to go into this just a little bit here. Infant baptism is found nowhere in the Bible. Just to make that clear. There is an age of accountability, which is a term meaning an age possibly 13. We don't know that for a fact. Only God knows. 
in which children are able to fully comprehend their actions as either good or bad, sinful. Those that are not able to grasp this, if they were to pass away, unfortunately, they would go straight to heaven. And I know the subpoint number four was a little bit long there, but subpoint number four, tightened up a little bit, is performed on infants. Baptism is not performed on infants. And last subpoint number five, baptism is not an act that saves you. Now, I know some of you right now that are listening might be wondering, uh, wow, that shatters my whole entire universe. Don't worry. We're going to get in this biblically. But the reason why I say that is because some people, denominations, will tell you that baptism is an absolute necessity to be saved. If you don't get baptized, you can't get saved. Now, before I even get into this study completely in it, I'm going to say this right now. Baptism, biblically, is of major importance. It's not something we cast off. It's not something that we'll do six months down the road after we put our trust and faith in Christ. That's not how it works. Baptism ought to be, unless you're somehow in a place that doesn't have access to water, it should be done fairly immediate after your trust and faith in Christ is being put in Him. So I cannot stress enough, baptism is so vitally important to your walk with the Lord. There are people that walk around and say that baptism is not that important. You don't need baptism to be saved, in which partially I would agree. So if I were to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, if I were to listen to the gospel and I put my trust and faith in Christ and I died before I was able to be baptized, then I would still be saved. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, again, you see how it gets a little bit tricky here? You got to be careful. You, you put your trust and faith in Christ, and then you should have a desire to get baptized. Now, some, I know some people have phobias. I know some people have issues get up in front of the church. And we're going to get into that in just a minute here. But remember, perfect love drives out fear. And at one point, I know it's hard to believe I was very intimidated and scared to get up in front of people and speak and teach and read the word or even be up there at all. So if God can take me from that point to what I'm doing now, he can give you the strength to get through. Because as he says in 2 Corinthians, his power is made perfect in weakness. His grace is sufficient for us. So, as we move along, I'm going to show you an example of what baptism is not. So, an example of what baptism is not is my first baptism. I was 13 years old. I remember sitting in the pastor's office, talking to him with my father about the process of being baptized. Now, I was nervous. I was a little bit scared. It's something I wanted to do. However, remember 
in one of our subpoints, subpoint number one, based off of emotion. Subpoint number two, based off of any motive outside of pure devotion to follow Christ all the days of our lives. Well, I'm here to tell you, to my shame, that my motive to get baptized was not the right one. My middle sister was baptized first in our family. And when that happened, you could say I was a little bit jealous. You could say that I definitely had the wrong motive because in my mind, in my heart of hearts, I wanted to get baptized. And I remember this so clearly. I wanted to get baptized to because I was the oldest child and that I ought to set the example for the rest of the kids. So that doesn't sound like a good reason to get baptized to me. You don't get baptized just to get wet. You don't do it because everybody else is doing it. It's purely out of devotion to follow Jesus Christ because he has saved you from your sins from the moment you were able to comprehend sin till you take your final breath, he paid for all of those sins in full with his blood. That wasn't a good reason for me to get baptized. I wasn't, I wasn't repentant of my sins. I didn't have that godly sorrow repentance. And so again, my sister got baptized. I thought I needed to do it to be the real older brother. And unfortunately, it was done for the wrong reasons. Now, I still had a heart and desire for God, but not like what happened when I was older. When I was older, from the ages of about 16 to 18, I really started getting the word for myself. I really, truly started to see God for who he truly is. And I was able to see Christ and what he does for us and what he does for us daily and the love he demonstrated and how wretched of a sinner I am and how I desperately needed him. And finally, when I was 18, I got rebaptized because I knew fully what I was getting myself into. I, I fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. I, I fully knew what I was getting myself into. I knew the cost. It wasn't based off of, of emotion anymore. It wasn't based off of any motive outside of pure devotion to follow Christ. And I tell you what, it was one of the best things and best days I've, I've had. And so you cannot do it for the wrong motives. And I, I'm opening myself up to you guys here, but... That was something that I remember very vividly as a young man. And that was not the right reason. So that was point number one. We defined what baptism is not. Point number two, we need to look at what the word baptize means biblically. The Greek word for baptize is baptizo, which means to dip sink, submerge, or to immerse. And now that we have that biblical definition, it makes it abundantly clear that baptism is to be done by completely submerging someone who has repented, 
believes on the on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendered to his lordship under the water completely. We're going to look now at some examples to show you exactly what we mean. I want you to turn with me to Matthew, the third chapter, and we're going to start in the sixth verse. And it says, And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Did you catch that small little word there? In. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, not with the water, not the sprinkling of it, completely in the water. Let's look 10 more verses down, Matthew 3, 16. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. So I want to say something right here. Did you catch it? After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. He came up from the water. So you have to understand, as you're seeing right now, maybe some of you right now are listening and are saying, wait a minute. Uh, I was always taught that we were supposed to just put water on ourselves and being sprinkled. It's it's crystal clear. It's crystal clear. Let's look at John 3, 23 as our last example. It says, John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim because there was much water there. And people were coming and were being baptized. Because, again, did you catch that? Because there was much water there. I'm going to throw in a bonus scripture. We've already hit three so far to show that baptism means to fully submerge. Let's go to Acts 8, 38 and 39. Starting in the 38th verse. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So let's go back to 38. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. So all four of those pieces of Scripture show you clearly that the word baptize means to fully submerge, dip, sink, or immerse someone into the water. So that is point number two. Okay, now let's look at point number three of baptism. We're going to look now at the history of baptism. Baptism was practiced before the establishment of the church. Jews in ancient times would baptize those who wanted to convert to Judaism to signify a cleansed nature. John's baptism, John the Baptist, was symbolic of repentance. He was preparing the way of the Lord, and his baptism 
required everyone to repent for their sins. Because our sins spiritually separate us from God. This was a temporary baptism. The true baptism was yet to come. So, so far, because we've went through those points, we have three points so far. Let's go over them real quick. Number one, we define what baptism is not. Number two, we defined what baptism means biblically. Number three, we looked at the history of baptism. So now let's look at point number four. So what is true Christian baptism? Well, first off, it's done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which most of us know this is called the Great Commission. Starting in the 18th verse, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So, there's a lot to unpack here. And matter of fact, we can do a whole entire podcast episode on this very scripture. We're not going to do that right now. But what, why is this significant for baptism? Well, baptism, is, it's a command. It's a command. And not only that, this is the only place in scripture that refers to all three of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's the only time that it refers to that. That's amazing. And not only that, this is the last thing that Jesus commanded and said before he ascended into heaven. And not only that, verse 18 is very clear. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Jesus is the authority. All authority is his. And verse 19, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Here it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when you're in a, a church and you're witnessing a baptism, what ought to happen at some point is you're letting that person know, as well as the congregation, that you're baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what makes it a Christian baptism. And once again, this is a command from Jesus. So that was sub-point number one of our point number four. So what is true Christian baptism? It's done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Sub-point number two, it is a public profession of your union with Christ. I would even add on there, and a declaration of death to self and to the world. I want you to turn with me to Matthew, the 10th chapter, starting in the 32nd verse, ending in the 33rd verse. So we're going backwards here. Matthew 10, 32 and 33. It says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But, verse 33, whoever denies me before men, 
I will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. I mean, it doesn't get any crystal clearer than that. It is a public profession of your union with Christ. You are confessing Christ to the world. You are saying that I no longer live. Christ lives in me. My identity is found in him. He is my Lord, Master, and Savior. That is one of the ways we can confess Jesus before men. But this is where it gets a little bit tricky. In verse 33, this is where it gets a little scary. Whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. That is not the kind of rejection I want to have from the highest of highs, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I don't want him to deny me. But guess what? Is he doing that for no reason? Absolutely not. That's because of our being ashamed of him, our lack of boldness to profess and proclaim and to confess his name. So don't do that. And that's and that's what Christian baptism is. We are publicly professing him. He is my Lord. My faith is completely in him and him alone. And I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. Number three, subpoint number three, is it's an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. I want you to go, we're going backwards in Matthew. I want you to go back to the third chapter. And I know we were just there, so it should be pretty familiar with us. I want you to start in the 14th verse, and we're going to go down to 16. So Matthew 3, 14 through 16. And it says, But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. So, Jesus says in verse 15, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Remember, John the Baptist, his baptism was strictly for repentance. Well, wait a minute, then what did Jesus get baptized for? because he is a sinless, spotless son of God. He doesn't need repentance. Very true. What he says is very crucial in verse 15, at the very end. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. He is being obedient to the Father. So, one of my biggest arguments about baptism, well, if Jesus Christ is our Lord master and savior and we are to follow in his footsteps and walk as he did and he got baptized there is absolutely no excuse for us not to be so he is our example and he was de demonstrating perfect obedience and so should we so i know we hit all those sub points there and we have one last sub point so just to recap because i know there's a lot of points here so Point number four of baptism, we're asking the question, so what is true Christian baptism? 
Subpoint number one is done in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Number two, subpoint number two, it is a public profession of your union with Christ and a declaration of death to self. Number three, it's an act of obedience. And last point number four is we are physically and spiritually illustrating the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are participating in that. And we illustrate our death to sin and our new life in Christ. That's found in Romans 6, 11. Without words, we are saying, I have fully repented of my sins. I have placed my complete trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone. Jesus is my Lord, Master, and Savior. And Jesus' death on the cross paid for all my sins in full. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so I have to I have to tell you this here. We are reenacting the gospel. We are reenacting the gospel. We are dying as Christ died. Our spiritual self, we are done away with. And when we come up out of the water, we are raised in newness of life. I want you to turn with me to Romans, the sixth chapter, starting in the first verse. So Romans chapter six. Romans Romans is such a great book. We're going to have to do a study on this soon. Okay. Starting in the first verse, it says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So the water acts as death. When we go into the water, we die. And as we're submerged fully under the water, that's also our burial. Our old self is gone, is done away with, and that's ba- we're basically having a funeral. But when we are raised up out of that water, just like it says in verse 4, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus is giving us a new spiritual life. It's like we're being revived and we're made completely new. And it is such a wonderful promise and such a wonderful gift. And so as we've been going through this so far, so point number four was quite a bit. There's a lot of sub points there. We're going to ask a couple of crucial questions about some things that are a little bit tricky with baptism. So here's the first question. If water baptism doesn't save, then how am I saved? Well, I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter, the third chapter, starting in the 20th verse. So 1 Peter 3.20. This is what it says. Who once were disobedient, when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, 
during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I have to I have to say this right now. This is so crucial. Some denominations, like I said previously, believe fully that water baptism is the by is the way we are saved. And if you're reading this, it's very crystal clear. Starting going back to verse 21. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. If you stop reading right there, you'd be right. Yes, baptism does save you. But wait, doesn't that diminish Jesus Christ? Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. Because it doesn't stop there. You can't cherry pick scripture to to meet your narrative. Okay, let me say that one more time. You cannot cherry pick scripture to fit or to meet your narrative. That that is so big because a lot of these people out there, pastors, authors, teachers, they cherry pick and they take the Bible and they take what's in scripture out of context. So if we stop there, baptism now saves you. Okay, that's it. That that's all I need. You have to keep reading. It says not the removal of dirt from the flesh. It's not the water that saves you. But an appeal to God for a good conscience. Uh-oh, here it is. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's go back. Let's go even to verse 22. Who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. It's about Christ. It's your union with Christ. When we just read Romans 6, 1 through 4, that has nothing to do, nothing to do with water baptism. That baptism, baptism just means that we are immersed in Christ. We are in union with Christ. That's what saves us. Because just like it just talks about this in 1 Peter 3.20, it talks about the construction of the ark. And that was the vessel that saved them through the waters. And the waters it's talking about here was divine judgment. And they were saved because of their faith in God. So guess what? Christ then becomes our ark. He is our ark through the, through the waters of divine judgment. He is the means by which we're saved. It's not the water that saves us. And some people will they'll argue with that. But it's Jesus Christ and him and him alone that saves us. So if we go back to Romans 6 in the third verse, it says, being baptized into his death. That, again, is talking about death to self and we die to our old ways with Christ. We are in union with Christ now. We are immersed in him. We become a part of his kingdom. It's it's we have to be tight with God. We have to be tight with Christ. 
It has nothing to do about the physical acts, such as baptism. That doesn't save us. So I hope that cleared up some confusion because some people get so wound up and they get they they take they take the Bible out of context and they don't read it in such a way that how it ought to be. They again cherry pick it to fit their narrative. And I had people argue with me about that before. And I don't like to argue. I just I just show them the truth and let God handle the rest. And that's really all we can do. So let's go to another question. What is the biblical pattern of baptism? Let's go now to Acts, the second chapter, starting in the 36th verse, and going down to the 42nd verse. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many are of the Lord will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So that was a lot there. That was truly a lot. So let's, let's break this down on the biblical pattern of baptism. The first thing that needs to happen is that in order to come to Christ at all, you need to be drawn. And we know that comes from John 6, 44, which says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up on the last day. You cannot come to Christ unless you're drawn by the Father. So if you're listening to this podcast episode, if you're listening to a church sermon, a Bible study, another podcast, you're reading the Word, God is drawing you. God is drawing you. So the first thing is we have to be drawn. The second thing in verse 36 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The second part is you hear the Word being preached about Christ. Verse 37, the next thing that comes is belief and repentance. So verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. That is belief and repentance, especially repentance. That's godly saw repentance. And he said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And they put their trust and faith in Christ. And then, verse 38 Repent, there is that repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it goes, just kind of a quick rundown here. You're drawn, you hear the word being preached about Jesus, you believe, you repent, 
put your trust and faith in Christ, baptized, and then at the very end, and we didn't get to this part, verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The last part is sanctification. So we're drawn. We hear the word being taught or preached about Jesus Christ. We believe. We put our trust and faith in Christ. We repent, baptize, and sanctified. Another amazing story of conversion is Acts chapter 8, starting in the 28th verse, going all the way down to verse 39. We read part of this earlier. It says this, and this is talking about the Ethiopian eunuch here. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up. I want to stop there. I love that. The, the spirit was telling Philip what his will was and wanted to be done. And Philip ran up. He didn't hesitate. He didn't question. He just did it. That's how we need, we need to obey. So verse 30, Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with them. Verse 32. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom does this prophet say, of himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down in, into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. So, let's look at that pattern here. Verse 28, he's being drawn. He is reading Scripture. He's going up to Jerusalem to worship. So he's being drawn. Verse 30 to 35, he is hearing the word being preached or taught about Jesus Christ from Philip. And that's why I love this so much, because in verse 35, listen to this, it's so powerful. Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from that, that scripture there, the Old Testament scripture, he preached Jesus to him. It's amazing. Then, at some point during that gospel presentation, he believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 37. Now, this is a little bit of a disclaimer. In verse 37, that is not in the oldest of manuscripts. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. 
But according to verse 37, and he answered him, the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. That is very, very clear. But in verse 36, he says, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? That was immediate. That's immediate obedience. When we put our trust and faith in Christ, in Christ alone, and we, we die to self, our desire needs to be obedient to whatever God wills, what Jesus commands. So he did that immediately. So the belief was there, the repentance was there, the trust and faith was there. Verse 38, they went into the water, they were baptized. And here's the amazing part in verse 39, but he went on his way rejoicing. Rejoicing comes from being saved from our sins, and we know that our eternal destination is no longer hell, but in heaven with Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. That's why we rejoice. That's why you can't take away our joy. You can take away our jobs. You can take away our health. You can take away anything that this world has to offer, but that joy will never be taken away because that is inside of us and it acts as a spring. It's just always overflowing because Jesus promised us that he would produce springs of living water within us. And that's where that comes from. That joy, that love, that hope, that peace, that patience, that just constantly overflows within us, especially rejoicing and gratitude. That's what it is. I mean, that's, that's the power of God. He gives us that joy because we are set free from the bondage of sin and, and the doom of eternal damnation without him in hell. And he takes us immediately, transfers us from that dominion of darkness, doom, despair, and wrath. And he transfers us to his kingdom where he will be, where the Son will be, where the Holy Spirit will be, where there will be no more mourning, no more sickness, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, streets of gold, walls made of precious jewels, a mansion with our name on it, and more importantly, Christ. Because He is our reward. He is our hope. He is everything to us. So again, as we start to wind down here, let's talk about the few things that we went over this whole... This is, this is a deep study. This is a deep study. And one of the things that we haven't discussed as of yet is when we are in union with Christ... When we have died to self, we had that godly soul repentance. When we place our trust and faith in Christ and and we take those steps and we we start being obedient, we get in his word, we let the word of Christ richly dwell within us. We're praying, we're gathering with the saints. But it's it, it, I want to read this piece of scripture to you real quick. It's found in 1 Corinthians, in the 12th chapter, starting in the 13th verse. I want you to listen to this. It says, For by one Spirit, 
capital S there. We were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. When we place our trust and faith in Christ, and we again, we die to self, we repent, we believe upon Jesus Christ, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And not only that, but we are transferred into the kingdom of God. And we are also placed in his church. And don't think of church as a building with four walls. The church is the assembling of his chosen people. So when we are in him, when we are in union with Christ, when we our trust and faith is in, in him and him alone, we are placed into his kingdom. And I would say even adding on that just a little bit, I think baptism is so crucial in that because that is that is a public demonstration of saying, I no longer serve the kingdom of this world, Satan's kingdom. I am serving and a part of God's eternal kingdom in Christ, the church. We've deviated from what God has said, and we've made all these different denominations, and we've come up with all these man-made traditions and rituals, but the true church that Jesus Christ established is the kingdom of God, and we're placed in that when we're in Him by the Holy Spirit. And that's so that's so amazing. And we are given the Holy Spirit in that as well. It's so it is so powerful. So is baptism important? Absolutely. It is commanded. You know, Jesus said in Luke 6:46, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say?" We are his followers and disciples are to be joyfully and lovingly obedient to our Lord. Not only is it commanded, but our Lord himself submitted himself to obedience as our most holy example, and we ought to follow that. Baptism is our identification as a follower of him, much like a soldier who dons the uniform of the country they serve. I love that. So here are some main takeaways. Baptism means to fully submerge someone who repents, confesses Jesus as Lord into a watery grave of baptism. Baptism is an important act of obedience and profession of public faith in Jesus Christ. In baptism, we participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. In baptism, we are telling the world and intimately we are telling God that we are dead to ourselves and that we are immersing ourselves in Christ Jesus. And the last takeaway is the pattern. Number one, we're drawn by God. Number two, we're hearing the word being preached about Christ or taught about Christ. We believe, we repent, we put our trust and faith in Him and Him alone. We're baptized and sanctified. And I'll add the last little bit there because we talked about this before. When our mission on this earth is accomplished, when God's will for our whole entire life individually is done, 
then we are going to be glorified in heaven with him. And that is going to be such a wonderful, beautiful day. I cannot wait for that day. No, I'm not in any hurry to die, but Paul said it the best. Far better to depart and be with Christ. Christ is our everything. He is our life. And he has given us through his word everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. So if you want to know what baptism is, guess what? Don't listen to man. You need to listen to God. And that's what we do on this show. We don't sugarcoat things. We don't make things up. All we do is is we find out what God says. And you guys saw it today. It's crystal clear about baptism. It's not what what you see on TV. It's not even what you sometimes see in, in churches of different denominations. The true church, if you boil it down to its, its simplest terms, the church that Jesus Christ established, it's very simple. You hear the word, you repent, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you get baptized. It's not complicated. And baptism is full submersion. That's it. That, that's that's simple. But you can't, but you can't get baptized based off emotion, of based on wrong motives. And I'm gonna say this last point because I really, I really love what it says here. Not because I wrote it, but because it's so very true. Because I wrote this based off of my conversion. Because when I got baptized, I didn't get baptized for the right reasons. And I don't want you guys to make that same mistake either. So it was our point number one, sub point number two. Baptism is not based off of any motive, any reason, outside of pure devotion to follow Jesus Christ all the days of our lives. That That's as simple as it gets. He saved us from such a deadly peril. He saved us from the wrath of God by dying on the cross. And through his blood, he bought and paid for my sins in full. And that through his resurrection, it confirms that, it affirms it, and through faith in him, I can live forever in heaven. I mean, and my sins can be forgiven. I can never be righteous enough in, in, in the presence of God. And that's why 2 Corinthians 5.21 is so powerful. Because God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why I love that verse so much. So as you wrap up, I pray for you guys. I pray for those who listen. And I am thank you so much from the bottom of my heart that you listen. Not that I have anything divine to say because I'm not, but because I serve the one who is divine, Jesus Christ. And I want to share something with you. I think it's really cool. Uh, we changed up our scripture for our podcast. And I think it's more appropriate. So 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says this, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. That's, that's 
I think that's what I want to etched on my tombstone. Honestly, I want to preach Christ. I don't want to preach myself. When you hear me talking, I don't want you thinking I'm the hero of my own stories. And I'm, man, Nate's such a righteous, holy guy. No, I'm not. I'm a flawed human being, uh, just like the rest of us. And I'm serving the one who is worthy, Jesus Christ. I preach him as Lord. And I consider myself as your bondservant for his sake. So during this time when we when we pray, uh, I want you to be in prayer for our nation. Uh, there's a lot of things going on right now, a lot of laws being passed, a lot of things behind the scenes. I pray that you stay strong during this time. When school is about ready to start, God willing, soon, there's a lot of challenges that go along with that. Families dealing with either health issues or relationship issues. I would highly encourage you, if you listen to the show, to email us at livingparablestruth at gmail.com and, and send us your prayer requests. We have a Facebook page as well. You would more than welcome to do that. It's Living Parables. Look that up and send us a message on there. I, I would love to pray for you. Or if you have any questions or maybe some stories that you have, that'd be great. But I would highly encourage you to do that. We're here to serve God and to serve people. And we're, we're going to do that till the day we die. And so with that being said, let's go ahead and pray. Father, for this day, we're grateful. God, you are the God of all creation. You created all things and you have a desire to know us intimately and for us to know you intimately. And that's such a wonderful, precious promise. And today, as we talked about baptism, I pray that if people that have listened to this message, this study, if they need to be baptized, I pray that you would put it upon their hearts and they would go to do that. Baptism is such a very important part of the walk of the believer. And your own son, Jesus Christ, gave us that example. He did it himself. So I pray that as we listen throughout the study, that we would make a decision to do that. Or if we have done that, that we would be like the Ethiopian eunuch after he was baptized, he went on his way rejoicing because you saved us from sin, the shackles of sin, the imprisonment of sin, and you brought us into your, your eternal kingdom with your son. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. Until next time, God bless you, my friends.